Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Elaine. That's what I've just said. Yes, but you said hello to me. Therefore, it's common that I say hello to you back. Okay, hello again. Hello, and I apologise. What's wrong? WWE is moving to Netflix in January next year. I don't understand why that is something for you to apologise for. Surely oh, because something... I'll be watching it all the fucking time. <laughs> well, I think that maybe that's something that the WWE Network has to apologise for. So, right. So they're moving to Netflix, which I'm presuming then means that the WWE Network, like, network will be no more. So you won't like be signing up and subscribing to that network as like a separate streaming service. So this takes over two different contracts in the UK. There is the weekly programming is currently on like TNT Sports, previously known as BT Sports. Uh, so there's Raw, SmackDown, and up until recently NXT, but that's dropped off and gone on the network. Um, that's on live on a Monday night, on a Friday night. Uh, we don't have that because I can't be asked to pay £30 just to watch the wrestling. Fair enough. Then there is the WWE Network, which has their... It's a mix. It's got their premium stuff. So WrestleMania is on the WWE Network. The Royal Rumble's on the WWE Network. But then also there is lesser shows. So they've got the archive of all the wrestling tape libraries that they've bought, or a lot of them. So you can watch stuff from Oklahoma in the 80s and Atlanta in the 80s. But also it's got like the the C-level shows, so like main events, which is not in any way main event level matches. And NXT level up, which is the people that are before they even get on NXT. So all of that will not be going to Netflix? Yes, it will. Oh, it yeah. will, So right. everything's going to Netflix. Okay, it's like right. an exclusive deal, so. Which, considering we get it with Sky. And yeah. It's pretty good, yeah. Oh, no. It's the first time Netflix have properly done live content, so it's quite a big deal in the media world. Mm. Um, like, Richard Osman was talking about it on The Truth is Entertainment. Is that the name of the show? No. no. The rest no. is entertainment. <laughs> the rest is entertainment. <laughs> Which is really weird that everyone like talking about it now. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems to be a real hot topic now. Mm. I mean, unfortunately, there are... I feel, I need to say, there are other reasons why people talk about WWE, mm. which is the most... There's been a sex scandal that's been going on for a couple of years. Um, a civil lawsuit has been filed. That's now public, and reading it is one of the most depressing things. Everyone knew that Vince McMahon was a shagger. Let's, let's, let's put it that way. He has hidden in plain sight on TV in that. that is, he has boasted about his affairs. Um, he has a marriage of convenience, which has not been a proper marriage for many years now, with Linda McMahon, who is an occasional character on tv less so now but this is uh absolute coercion yes. abuse of power it, it's just one of the grimmest things i've ever mm. read and it, it really is breaking my heart that like it's made me think like do i even bother going on watching wrestling because yeah. it's it's just fucking shit that these pricks are doing this thing and mm. just yeah this, this this poor girl who's very brave to come forward. Um, her name had previously been leaked to the media, so um, that just shows you the type of people we're dealing with. Um, she previously signed a non-disclosure agreement. Um, they only paid a third of that money because they said that she was leaking names out, leaking... Yeah, absolute. Yeah, so you... I don't normally use the C word on this podcast, but I really want to use it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there is a there is a time for reflection, isn't there, as to 
where do you put your money? Yeah. And who who are you giving it to? And I know you've had lots of thoughts about it because it's really affected you over the, the past few days. You've been telling me that, you know, you've read some things that you don't you just don't ever want to sort of see again. Yeah, yeah. And I think you've you've been tussling, haven't you, with mm. with whether and we do this with a number of um factors in the entertainment industry you kind of know behind the scenes that there are things going on that you're not necessarily happy about. Yeah. And it's whether you're sort of, whether, I suppose the question is, if you carry on giving them money, if you carry on watching the shows, are you complicit in that um, that abuse? That's, yeah. you know, the question, isn't it? And, I mean, look, I can carry on. I, I am able to hold my nose and listen to mm. legendary musical artists of which yes, there are yeah. numerous allegations about. Um, I am able to watch the films of legendary directors of which there are num- numerous rumours about. Yeah. Um, or indeed, charges. Or charges. <laughs> yes, yes, in that in, in some cases. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And yeah, um, this is different because this, this is my thing, mm. I think. Um, yeah, it's it, it really has torn me. Yeah. I mean, so as it happened, um, sponsors started to withdraw their support for WWE. So Vincent Mann it now holds absolutely zero power on paper in WWE. There is still people within the organisation that Ronda Rousey, who was had a contract with WWE six months ago, said, yeah, um, so long as this person is in the WWE um Vince McMahon will never not have power because he's a puppet for him. Yeah, it's like a proxy. Yeah, I mean, that was a... It was one of them things where it was like, has someone just created a fake? Nope, that's really Ronda Rousey. Um, It sounds to me like people are feeling much more confident to come forward then because I don't think you would have got that a few years ago where talent was feeling confident enough to come forward and and say these things out loud. Yes. um, Obviously, it's people that are not currently on Mm, the WWE payroll. But still, Um, if they wanted to go back in or, you know, feel like they're burning bridges. There was a big event last week, which obviously there was a press conference after and it was handled really badly. Um, Triple H, who is the... uh, Let's be fair, he's Vincent Mann's son-in-law. So must be in an awkward position. Um, I don't think... Oh, I just want to concentrate on the positives this week is an acceptable answer. Says yeah. he hasn't read the lawsuit. I mean, he's chief of uh, like chief content officer. He yeah. it's his job to read the fucking yeah. lawsuit. And you know, if he hasn't done it, um it, there is a unnamed uh, executive in the lawsuit of which he is na- he's he would fit the description quite well that um knew of this woman despite having no reason to know who she is mm. but when she introduced herself oh yeah i know you yeah yeah i wonder why yeah so you were really excited to begin with and now we've gone into sort of the the negatives i mean of, this of news came within 48 hours of each yeah. other as well so it was like oh that's really cool oh for fuck's sake mm-hmm. i mean i was away at the time and just sat there in my hotel room just like <laughs> reading it going i don't want to go on but like yeah. it's yeah should we talk about things that i actually like Watching television, watching television. Can we start by talking about the traitors final? Yeah, let's do that. That'll lift our spirits. <laughs> yes. Um, so spoilers for the final of season two of the UK Traitors. Um, like, well, if you haven't seen it yet or you're catching up, we'll put the time codes in the show notes. Well, that was an ending, wasn't it? Wasn't it just? Oh. Um, How are you feeling about it? Now that the dust has settled. 
it was a unbelievably addictive yet horrible watch. Yes. Um, it was proper hands over your face. Will they, won't they? Can this possibly work? Because surely it's not going to work like this because only really almost like fakely produced television would work this way. Like you can't believe that in a live situation where you just don't know what people are going to do, that they'll they'll actually be this level of, oh my God, you know, and, and mm. real drama, real tension and drama. So, well, let's describe what we're talking mm. about. The final three was Molly, Harry and jazz. jazz. Amazing jazz. Harry is a traitor. So if he is in the final three or the final two, he gets all the money. Um, jazz and Molly don't know if a traitor is remaining can continue the game or end it there. Molly and Harry choose to finish the game. Jazz continues to carry it, chooses to carry on because he is, and he's been saying for a little while that Harry is a traitor. And he's or right. he, he assumes, he has, <laughs> yeah, he, he has, has put, he has joined some dots up based and on things that people have said. he doesn't want to get to the end, and this is quite right, Jazz doesn't want to get to the end and right at the, right at this focal point mm. to be let down because he didn't just get rid of one person yeah he thinks molly is a faithful he he thinks harry is not you know he doesn't want to risk it so quite rightly he says i'm gonna go again i want there to just be one other person at the end and i'm gonna trust that person completely obviously it backfires because then molly is stuck i mean it it, it didn't backfire he would have got nothing had he not done it he now has nothing so no, but, i mean it backfires in the sense yes yeah, so it, it didn't it, it work. was a risk and it didn't yeah. work um, because she then chose her friend, the person who has be she has been the closest to throughout yeah. the whole of the game, um, and it, when she is saying to him across the table, this is the bit that I found really really hard to watch. She's saying she's nodding and she's whispering and she's saying, "It, it, it you're you're real, aren't you? It's not you." And he's got yeah, and it's fine, it's fine, just do it. So off goes Jazz, and then she's left with him. And then I think I think you said at the time you could see in her face she knew that she knew. I mean, that, whether that's yes. editing, yes. and I, I yeah. mean whether she was, I think she's come out and said in in a heart of heart she mm. probably did know, but yeah. yeah. But you don't want to, it's no. the thing of you don't want it to be true. Yeah. And then obviously Harry. Um, has taken all the money, ninety five thousand uh, pounds. Bit anticlimactical, wasn't it? What the bit at the end where yeah, it just where went outside, went with outside and yeah, with Claudia Winkleman <laughs> went, yeah, I won ninety thousand pounds. And then there was just nothing, was there? It was almost that, and this this I think shows you that the producers don't know what's going to happen. There was just nothing. Yeah, there was no it was just sort outside. Of fanfare, and he got you know, got some champagne. Was, yeah, credits roll. And then it was just <laughs> a bit a bit awkward, sort yeah. of standing about and. Claudia did her very best of like, you know, touch the money and um, yay, you've won, you've won and you've played such a great game. And she, But almost like it was sort of missing. She the audience makes a big difference, doesn't it? It was a bit like, it was a bit COVID. Like yeah. when you see people celebrating in football stadiums with nobody in them. It was, Absolutely. it was very much like that. Yeah. And then it just sort of came to an end and it was like, oh, it's over. Yeah. Credits and roll. I felt quite sad because. You had no one to celebrate with. It was just sort of like, oh, that's it now. Um, I was sad that, that well, I was sad. I I don't know why I wanted 
the faithfuls to win. I think I wanted Jazz to win. I think that was the main thing. I wanted Jazz to win because he played, I think, a really, really good game, probably without even realising it. Yeah. Because he, and this was spoken about so much, he, he just didn't have that social capital within the group, like people like Paul and Harry and other people who were deemed to be the most popular in inverted commas. And they kept talking about this, oh, you're the most popular, you're the most popular, which is interesting when you give people that title. I find the group dynamics really interesting. But he sort of skirted around, people really liked him, but he just didn't have that sort of leading personality that the others put forward for themselves. And obviously they were both traitors, so that was interesting. He didn't have that, so he couldn't take people with him. Yeah. But he still played a really good game because he got to the final, because he didn't yeah. stick his neck up so much that they got rid of him. Yeah. I, I found him a fascinating sort yeah. of personality within the group. I wanted Molly to win, um, or at least be get part of the money. Yeah. I wanted her to turn on Harry and realise <laughs> the evilness of his yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of comment online about the relationship between them two, mm-hmm. and... I mean, it, it it is ludicrous when you say it. Like, um, like, is it reminiscent of a gaslighting relationship? Is it reminiscent? There is a difference between someone who is living in a gaslit relationship yeah. and someone who and goes on a show show called The Traitors. And I think it's, I think it probably speaks more about as a society we are able to look out for those things Absolutely. now. I, Whereas I really agree. twenty years ago, it'd be I it showed her, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I totally, totally agree with you. I know there's been a lot of discourse about it and people saying, Oh, it's just a, a show and I, I I agree it is just a game show and they all knew what they were doing when they got, they were going in there. And the stakes are not incredibly high in terms of like life and death it is it's money and it's very useful money and everyone would love to win ninety five thousand pounds but at the end of the day it is what it is um and but but my i suppose it's a but rather than that but i'm really pleased that people are talking about yeah like coercive control and gaslighting because that's a conversation that we need to be having i don't think it necessarily plays in in this scenario but good on you know the british public (laughs) for actually raising these things as an issue because there will be other women out there who are not in a game show yeah who are having things you know having experiences and how validating for them to be seeing things like oh well you know people talking about gaslighting people talking about coercive control so I think you can play it both ways. I don't think it has to be one or, one or the other. Absolutely. But it is absolutely a game show. Yes. <laughs> and he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was playing the game. Yes, he was playing the game that he was chosen yeah, by the producers to, to yes. yeah, And to that work. was what yeah. he needed to do. So yeah. that is absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Harry. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all seem like very lovely people. I think it was really well cast. Really, really yeah, well cast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think someone said that they pick people who play games okay. like whether it be escape rooms, whether it be like physical games, whether mm-hmm. it be like, um, yeah, that's what they're looking for. Do you so. think I'd get on because I um, play WWE Guess Who with you? I think you'd be out day one. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Do you think I would be the quirky character that they need to get rid of at the beginning? Not like, even oh, not, like not even because anyone thinks you're a traitor. You just, <laughs> trust me, you're out to live with love. It's uh <laughs> And also, I'm really not very good at these sort of team building game things. I'd be the one just standing at the side, sort standing of shouting side, like, things out. Oh, there's a light coming towards you. <laughs> no, like Miles did in that yes. game. Yeah. Anyway, we're only going to talk about this for five minutes. It's it's fascinating, isn't it? Um, series three, 
there's I mean, clearly going to be it's one. It's going to happen, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Do you think it'll become like, you know how Big Brother started out really, really good and then people started to become famous and realised they were going to get fame and then they knew that the cameras were watching them and it all got a bit... And then obviously we went into influencer territory later on down the line and I just stopped watching after that. Um, do you think this might go the same way and that they, they, they've seen the two series they've probably seen the australian one the american mm. one and so there's more knowing you know there's going to be that knowledge i think there is a difference in that if you were on big brother you were you became a national name we all remember or me and you do anyway yeah, mary the nun yes pj mm. um brian it mary the nun it was anna the nun anna the nun <laughs> who's mary the nun Anyway. Think, are you thinking of Tesco Mary from I X am. Factor? That's probably what I'm thinking. You about. are, yeah. yes. Yeah. This yeah. is our level of conversation, by the way, everyone. Um, Listing people from various shows. Who's the one who did a wee old. in a bin and went through, um, went off over the roof? Oh, Sandy. Sandy, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so bad that I remember this stuff. He was in the yeah. same year as um, the, when I was watching the beginning night, and two people from my school mm. uh, from my school were in it. And it's amazing because I've had one person from my school in it as well in mm. 2004. So, yeah. High five. Oh, yeah. We're made for each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, anyway, with this, I think, I don't think anyone else will be doing I think Big Brother became a way that girls could get a glamour contract. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I am going to pick you up on that. No, 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 no. A, a lot of women did do that but not all no if you're thinking about you sort of like yeah atlas and hammonds yeah. and but there was a certain element that joined and on the first day i remember be- watching it and there were girls talking about how long do you think you have to be in to get deals with magazines yeah okay. doing nuts. yes i, I right. fully admit that I, I, it wasn't the exclusive reason i just don't want yeah. it to be that all women who went yeah. on there wanted that because that's a complete generalization i don't think i said everyone okay. i said it's, it became a, a way for girls to get yeah, a route for girls to get glamour contracts. Okay. And that's, yeah, that's, I don't think anyone's, anyone's going to remember these people. Like, I've not seen anyone from the first series of The Traitors okay. in things. I know that someone was on Would I Lie to You? Would or something I Lie to You? But, yeah, one of and the I think probably Paul I probably will. I mean, Paul's popped up on, like, newscast. I've seen him on another podcast that i can't remember what it was but it was so random it was like it was nothing to do with like television and it came up on instagram but this is your five minutes though yeah, isn't it yeah, 15 minutes anywhere but i think um, he'll probably get i i mean i would if i was a publisher i'd be getting like a book of like you know mind games and strategy and how to how to be a, a char- charismatic person and i mean that's in a t- business yeah that's that's a that's, that's a, a great title great title for a book charismatic man in business you know but you know do you know what I mean? Those sorts of Nasty Nick was on the front page of The Sun with Brad Pitt <laughs> <laughs> wearing his shit The Sun hat. I know. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I would hope that their casting remains true mm. and it's they're not just doing it to get wacky characters in. But I don't think you're spending the same amount of time with these people. Yeah. Like, you get up, they have breakfast, they do a task, and then they're around the table. So there's not space for someone to have a fun time in the hot tub uh, or anything like that it's just not the type of show that that is can we talk about true detective now before you mention other things that happened in big brother yes (laughs) guess which things i said which were cut out of the podcast (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah um so um so i've seen two-thirds of the first episode of true detective and this is true detective season four which is true detective night country 
I don't understand why there's just a wanky title after it this time because there wasn't previously. No, well, I can I can tell you why. Um, I'm all three episodes that have been released in, so I've seen everything. Okay. Uh, so it was originally called Night Country and it was nothing to do with True Detective. Uh, it was written by Issa Lopez and she wanted to write about women in um, the, the police um, or sort of crime and um, wanted to set it in Alaska. Okay. And so wrote this piece. It gets a bit murky because now the narrative's been muddled, I think, slightly. And it's either did she write it with True Detective in mind or did someone approach her and say, well, we'd like to turn this into a True Detective. But that's why I think it's it, something has happened where the two things have come together and she's rewritten it to factor in things that refer back to season one of True Detective, which I think was just a remarkable piece of television if not incredibly incredibly sinister with some of the most horrifying um scenes of child abuse so, um, I mean, and death nothing was um, shown yeah but yeah I, but yeah, yeah, the, yeah, th- yeah yeah the things that you hear that those things st- stick with stick, me that yeah, video, the video is that season one yes, yes it is right yeah that so has stuck with me the same thing yeah, yeah, Matthew yeah. McConaughey watching yeah. a video and it, it, you know that mm. is that was enough for both of us to remember that scene I watched True Detective season one later than everyone else um I I think it was too hyped up at that point. I enjoyed it for what it was. I think the, let, the ending was a bit of a letdown for me. Mm. Um, I watched season two and the one that everyone hates. And I think it's it's fine. It's fine. If it didn't have True Detective on the front of exactly. it, it would be a standard HBO crime yeah. detective. I think but, that's yeah. right. And the third, you know, so I think they were... And I, I liked the third one. Yeah. I really liked the third one. Was the third one Stephen Dorff and uh, Mahershala Ali? I want to say yes, but I, I know Mahershala Ali was in one of them. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's two, two or three. That shows you how much it stayed with me. But one, I can tell you key scenes. I can tell you character names. Yeah. Um, and four, um, I was really excited about because it's women at the centre of yeah. the story. You've got uh, Jodie Foster. Yes. Amazing Jodie Foster going back to, to television. And you've got Carly Reyes, who is... I understand a boxer or was a was a boxer before yeah. and this is one of her first um acting performances as Evangeline Navarro yeah. and she is amazing I think when you're going up against Jodie Foster you you've you've got to be such a presence haven't you and, and she, she has presence it. yeah totally yeah and they're very different women yeah very different women um, and particularly in the show, I mean, the show really, really pits them against each other. This is not a comfy, cosy Cagney and Lacey, we get on really well together, we're best friends and we're trying to solve crimes. These people at times... Rosemary are, time. Well, exactly. These people at times are just so cruel to each other and mean and tell each other to shut up. And there's there's a scene in one of the, the later episodes that you haven't seen where essentially like really picking each other apart for their own spiritual beliefs you know it's yeah they are antagonistic absolutely Mm. and there's clearly a history and i'm sure we're going to get into that history and possibly they like each other more than they you know admit on the surface because they have to if they're going to be working together but i don't know about you i know you've only watched the first episode but i have been totally engrossed in this show one of the reasons I really like it 
It's not just because it's, it's crime, you know, we're trying to work out this crime in this really interesting setting, you know, with all the ice. It's called Night Country because we're now in part of the season where it's just night all the time. There's very, very little daylight, if anything at all. Yeah, it's the same as 30 Days of Night. Yeah. Um, same setting as that the very far north of Alaska. Where, Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just really unusual to have all these things. There's There are some... Um, unusual things that are happening where you're not quite sure if it's supernatural or it's real so all of these things are going on for me you can park all of that to one side and you can park the actual the plot line what i just really love is just the core presence of these women the characters the 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 people who live in the area everyone is so well defined and my major thing is that it makes me work for it. Yeah. I've watched every episode now at least twice. I've watched it sort of like normally, then I've put the subtitles on, then I've had it on in the background when I've been doing some bits and pieces around the house. Mm. Because I enjoy looking, you know, being challenged by it and not picking things up on the first go, not picking things up on the second go even. And you can always tell, or I can anyway, I can always tell when I'm really, really engaged in something because I will seek out all of the spoiler podcasts, <laughs> which I have. I think I've got four on the go at the moment. And some are like instant take ones where as soon as the episode comes out, there's a sort of like half an hour of what's going on. And I can sort of shout down the sort of the, the podcast line and go, oh, I don't think that's what happened. And then when they come back and talk about it, they've seen it again. And, you know, they now sort of maybe more on the wavelength that I'm on, but also doing some other things. Yeah, I just love it. And I wouldn't be listening to those podcasts if I wasn't really into it. I'm thoroughly enjoying this. I don't care if it's got True Detective on the front or not. It's yeah. kind of a bit of here or there for me. I know for some people they'll love that because there are Easter eggs linking you back to specifically season one. Okay. I'm not worried about that and I'm probably missing most of them. Yeah. I'm just loving watching mm. um Judy and Callie on the telly working out what's going on, having that relationship. Mm. I think it's a brilliant piece of television. Okay. I I tried to watch it at the wrong time. Um you were away. I was trying to watch it whilst Blake was messing about and I couldn't fully concentrate, so I put it it's to one side. Definitely not one. I'm to, probably gonna yeah. wait until it's all out and try and binge it. Um I had some issues with it in remember when there was a big spate of female led um crime dramas on HBO and it was like, right, you can pick any two or three of the woman's either got relationship issues or uh, substance abuse issues or something else i can't remember what it was but we discussed this on yes, the could because you took against mayor of east town yeah yeah and yeah, i yeah, loved yeah. mayor of east town yeah. with uh, kate Winslet. but I, you I, said exactly the same yeah. thing it's like sharp objects yes um and it just seemed to be the same subject but with a different i really liked the premise of this mm. um and that was what drew me to it like the which we haven't mentioned i don't know whether you want to no, mention I, it I, I think I, it's better to going no, no I think as it's better. that's why possible. i was a bit coy yeah. with it because i think again it's like you say better to know and, and you're put straight into the drama mm. it's not like a slow build-up the thing that's going to happen yeah. happens straight yeah. away so then you're you're right into it 
uh, uh, when you get those sort of high concept premises, I do worry about how the final episode is going to go. Yes, I agree. And this this element of the supernatural, which people mm. on the many many podcasts that I'm listening to are saying was very much present in season one, but I don't remember it being quite so in your face. What was oh, I? I do, and I right. think I was quite worried. I was quite disappointed when I found out who the guy was at the end because mm-hmm. it never mm-hmm. necessarily there was all shit swelling in the sky and yeah, stuff like that yeah. and then it oh look it's the guy on the thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. what happened what was that one that was with jason bateman yes now i thought about this the other day when i when i watched episode one i thought it's a combination of sort of like early true detective and that thing with Jason Bateman. Yeah, Tim Wolf 2, that's it, isn't it? <laughs> and also had Cynthia Erivo in. Yes, it did. As well. Yes. And that was that lent much more into the supernatural. And we really enjoyed that, but mm. also didn't enjoy it at the same time. And heaven only knows what it's called. I'm looking it up. I'm I nearly know, there. I was thinking, I'm nearly there. I thought you would have got there by now. The Outsider. Oh, okay, that's probably why. Yeah. It's a bit of a generic name, isn't it? Yeah, because then um, Paddy Constantine. That was a few years ago. Rocked up at the end, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed, mm. enjoyed that. But yeah, that lent much more into the supernatural, but also had a crime drama s- spin to it. It does feel like there's a formula with HBO, I'll mm-hmm. say that. And mm-hmm. yeah, I've not seen much apart from, I guess, House of the Dragon is the other thing that I've seen from them, which yeah. is different, but yeah. it seems very like good. there's probably one every six months of these. And coming back soon, House of the Dragon, which I'm looking forward to. A joy. Okay, right. <laughs> On that note, films. Films. Saturday night at the movies. Who cares what picture you see? When you're with your baby, let's roll in the balcony. I'm going to touch on the holdovers quite briefly, he says. Because I have not seen it. And then we have all of us strangers to talk about. We really do. Yes. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Uh, So, yeah, The Holdovers, um, the latest film by Alexander Payne. Have you seen any Alexander Payne films? Why don't you tell me what Alexander Payne has done and then I can reply? Uh, Sideways? No. Nebraska? Nope. Election? Nope. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Is that it? I mean, there's more, but okay. that, they're the, probably the ones you will have seen. Right. For anything. Nope. The Holdovers. Do you know the premise of The Holdovers? I know the basic premise, which is um, school slash college teacher, grumpy, um, Paul Giamatti. Giamatti? Is that how he says yeah, it? Yeah, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Um, stays at home, uh, stays at school over Christmas and on this particular occasion, has to kind of like babysit a pupil who can't go home? Yeah. That was my yeah. understanding. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Um, there is a group of students who don't aren't able to go home over Christmas. Fate ensues. Some people find a place to go to. And then there's one student who's left over. And so it's left with Paul Giamatti, uh, the cook, and this child just in there over Christmas. And he's not like child child is he he's like a no i think he's 17 or 18 yeah 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 yeah. Uh, it's a but it's a posh uh private school public school in america um and it's not set in present day is it no it's set in the it's it's set in the late 70s Uh, sorry the early 70s yeah i know more about this film than i realize apparently you do yeah do you you want to do the review no i don't 
Yeah. Yeah, so Paul Giamatti plays uh, Paul Hunnam, who's kind of an unpopular teacher. No one really gets on with him, a bit of a loner. He, he lives for teaching. Kind of, if you think um, Jason Schwartzman from Rushmore went yes. back to his old school. Uh, and, as um, a teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, Divine Joy Randolph plays Mary, the cook, um, who's just lost her son in Vietnam. Mm. And then Dominic Sessa plays Angus Tully, the, the kid that's left behind. Um, the big thing around this is the, the performances. Um, I've had a pretty negative thoughts on Paul Giamatti for most of his career. He's kind of like the art house Jim Carrey for me. Um, overacting, he's very much, he's got his style and boy is he going to do it. Um, and it's not for me, but he is spectacular in this. Um, Devanjo Randolph, who's someone who I've not seen before, um, is absolutely brilliant as Mary. Uh, but for me, the standout is Dominic Sessa. Um, I spent the entire film thinking, where do I know him from? Mm got in the back of my head like his name's david in something and and he's the son of someone famous no idea who i'm thinking of because it, this is his first role, acting role i honestly thought you were going to come up with something and go, oh wow no it's david the son of but he absolutely yeah he absolutely nails his performance um paul giamatti and devandre randolph have been nominated for academy awards i was about to say i'm sure i'd heard that I would easily put Dominic Sessa in there as oh, well. Uh, but he um, he has been nominated for a BAFTA, which I think is more important. Okay. If you... <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this overall is a story of how people react to grief. And obviously you've got Mary, who's just lost a son. Mm. and But Paul and Angus both have their own like griefs that they're dealing with that play out really subtly and really slowly it doesn't present itself at first and you're kind of given hints and then it's taken away and it moves in different ways and it's how how about grief changes people the course of people's lives um there is one of the most heartbreaking scenes i've ever seen in cinema in this um and i'll just say it's someone standing in front of a chest of drawers and it's so subtly played and so understated. And I just sat there in a Cineworld <laughs> screening <laughs> that was sparsely attended because yeah. it was it was a big screen and like popular, but not that popular. And I was just bawling. I really, really was. Um, I love this film. It's it, it's such a good film. I would be happy to see it go all the way in the awards. I'd be happy for I'd be happy for Paul Giamatti to win, to win Best Actor. Um, I'd, who's favourite for these? I, I've not really seen the odds for the Oscars. Or... Will it not be um, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer? Oh yeah, I know it? he's yeah. like the big name for. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I like Killian Murphy. And I don't dislike Oppenheimer. No, no, but, no, yeah. no. I think I think that's who we're looking at for that. Um, and then for. The actresses, I'm trying to... Oh, it'll be um, Emma Stone or um, Lily Gladstone. Yeah, or, of course, um, yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon. Which we can't really comment on because we're... A.K.A. <laughs> the 400-hour film. <laughs> How many days are we into watching it now, Mark? We're, 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 we're three in and we've we're got an hour left. We're three in. We're three in. And it doesn't feel like we've got an hour left. It feels like we've got 40 hours left, <laughs> genuinely. Every time we watch it... It's a good I film. Think, oh, it's uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. But I'm enjoying it as a TV show that we have created yes. because we've split it into it's a lovely now, four parts. And yeah. it might even become five parts 
if we, there you is know... A, there is a lot of joy in, like, waiting to see, right, is this the bit? No, 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 let's give it a bit. Let's give it a bit That's longer. the perfect time. And let's stop now it we're into the end scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great. The holdovers. The holdovers. <laughs> Lots of um, reviews that I have seen slash heard are giving this film five stars. Are you in agreement? So... <sighs> I think it's uh, no. I'm four and a half, a very high four and a half. <laughs> okay. um, I think there are there are a few storyline issues, which I mean, it, like you can tell what happens when you get a cantankerous old teacher, a uh, rebellious student, and a heartbroken, a heartbroken cook. mother. Like, yeah. t- I'm not going to tell you what happens in, in at the end of the film, but yeah. I bet you can get, draw, bet you draw the line there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, I think the story was told, and it, the ending is kind of a fourth act. Um, which I was kind of happy for it to finish at an unnatural point ten minutes before, if that makes sense. Fair enough. Throwing my phone about with my notes on. Yeah. And um, there's a few weird things with editing. There's a few weird cuts and stuff like that that seem weird. I mean, there's one there's one bit where someone's ice skating and like they're going about, so you see like ice like ice on the front of the jacket. And I'm like, oh, right, they've done a bit where he's fallen on the floor and they've cut it out because it's probably a bit cliched. Okay. And then that bit happens, like, oh. two minutes later. Oh, and right, it's like, okay. right. that oh. was really obvious. That takes you out like, of the film, I don't, Yeah, and I feel I feel you shouldn't nitpick, but when a film's this good, I think they could have done that better. But, yeah, I, like, I'd really recommend it to anyone. Um, you, I think you would really enjoy I'm sure this. I would, yeah. Um, I like anything set around education as well. Yeah, and anything griefy, you know, great, <laughs> yes, right up my street. Education and grief. Yes, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not so much about um, about law teaching, but no, uh, yeah, it's probably more for the best. It's more the classics, but yeah. Um, yeah. You want to talk about all of us strangers, don't you? I would love to talk about all of us strangers, and um, we're going to talk about all of us strangers in a really roundabout way because. The less you know about this film, the better time you will have with it. And I really benefited from knowing, sort of, I knew a little bit about the premise. Yeah. But when I watched the film, I was then so, so grateful that I didn't know anything more than that. And actually, I would have loved it if I just didn't know anything. So, all of us strangers, I'm going to have a little go at the doing a plot. Uh, so it's this, hard. Yeah, yeah. So, this is about Adam, who's a writer, played by... Andrew Scott, who's just moved into a brand new um, apartment block in London. A big one, shiny, with big windows. One of the few other residents, if not the only other resident, is Harry, played by Paul Meskell. And they develop a relationship together. At the same time, Adam is trying to write a screenplay uh, that he wants to base it on his, certainly his past, and goes to research this at his old home. Yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Yeah. No, no further than that. There will be more on the internet that you can quite. There will be more in the trailer. Um, if you know more, I don't think I knew more going in. I don't think it hurt me. No. But if I knew nothing, I would be absolutely jaw on the floor for this film. Totally. I mean, I'll say this now: this is the favorite film that I've seen since we've been doing this podcast. Oh wow! I was about to say for this year. I thought that's what you were going to say. Favorite film this year? And I was no, like, but I've seen about well, three absolutely. films this year. Huh? <laughs> yeah, um, I, know, I, <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like, "If this isn't my number one um, film of the year, that you'd be very surprised," because that's kind of how I feel. Mm, no, it, this is my favorite film probably since Parasite. It's superb, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely superb. The writing, the characterization. 
the way the where where the plot goes and it's a it's a film that just gives you feelings it's yeah um full of feelings i think the performances from from all four because look let's say the 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 also appearing in this film is jamie bell and claire foy i think the performances and it's basically a four-hander mm. for the most part uh, i think there's a waitress who appears at one point and there's i think there's a flashback to a young adam at certain points okay. but largely these are the only four people certainly who are named on screen um and yeah like give them all the acting awards mm. um mm. apart from supporting actor because i want um i want the guy from the holdovers to, to win that please right. i think the relationship between uh adam and harry is really beautifully drawn and it feels dangerous at times i thought it was just incredibly romantic like really romantic i love the the building of this new relationship you know it really took me back to when you meet someone for the first time and you're getting to know them and you're doing all of those sort of like late night chats that go away after a long time once you've been in a relationship with someone those things sort of move i try but you've you've kind of had them and so you know you're you're telling secrets at the beginning of a relationship you're testing the waters as to how much you you tell and you don't you hold back and i just thought it was absolutely like you say the, the word is beautiful beautifully played mm. but i di- i didn't feel a, a huge amount of danger there a- a- apart from danger in the risk of like emotional danger of like you know uh, yeah no i don't think anyone was physically in danger mm. but I, we don't we it's clear that we don't know a lot about harry mm. and I found that unsettling. Now, mm-hmm. whether that was meant to be and whether that was how everyone felt, I don't know. But mm-hmm. it's the fact that there is this mysterious man, which obviously allowed the allure um, yeah. of the relationship, but also put me on a back foot with okay. him. Um, yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> it is a really, really beautiful um, the, the 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 chemistry between these two actors, and obviously the two of the best act- best yeah. actors we have in Britain at the totally. minute, and um, well, Paul, um, obviously Paul Mescal's Irish, but yeah, yeah. Uh, two of the best um, best actors we have around the minute. Scott. Oh, both Irish, yeah. yeah. So um, I've offended, <laughs> yeah, offended everyone. Yeah, that's really worked. Um, I mean, the direction is like the, selling a empty apartment block is an absolute genius yeah. i mean i don't quite understand in the f- in the wider sense of the film what that apartment is meant to signify mm. other than just it's a pl- uh, a setting for the plot but and i've tried i've thought about that quite a bit yes. but but also if you're thinking about sort of the architecture and the, and the way that the the film's designed the house that um andrew scott's adam goes back to is childhood home when you see how that's decorated inside, it is absolutely a 1980s house. I was fascinated by the, you know, the little tins on the, you know, the way you pe- where people keep their biscuits. It was so authentic, you know. Yeah. When you, it was like peering into, you know, you can imagine peering into your home, your childhood home in the 80s. There must be a biscuit it. tin in there because that was what got me and I went back to... Um, 
having a biscuit tin. And I don't know quite what it was. It was some, if it was something that made the biscuits stay fresh, but mm. there was some sort of powder or ball bearings in the lid of the tin that wow. we had as kids. And if you shook it, then it kind of like rattled a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, it really, really took me back. As, mm-hmm. as a child of the 80s, it really yes, took me back. Yeah, and what I really loved about the film, without saying anything about the plot, but um, Adam is gay and he is older than Harry. Yeah. So Harry is using phrases that Adam's saying, oh, you know, we wouldn't have said that back in the 80s. That might have been a, a, a slur word, essentially. We yeah. wouldn't have accepted that. We would have thought that was a better but now it's been reclaimed and and then he talks about you know sort of the risk and he's obviously referring to aids and just there's this huge there's this huge storyline which is so subtly done about where what you know what people who grew up in the 80s had to deal with and how far we have come but also how far we haven't come yeah so all of that is mixed into this story in such a subtle way i think it's a phenomenal phenomenal film and what i love about it is that andrew haig who's um the writer and director it's you can tell it's very much linked to him as a person as a a gay man he grew up in the 80s you know to the point where the house of adam's childhood is andrew haig's childhood home yes yeah he, he used mad, his yeah. own house you know i mean that that's a level of personal that you just can't get away from yeah and adds to the authenticity i did not see where this was going i think i loved it for that that i couldn't guess and i, I spent a lot of time you know you do when you sit at the cinema and things aren't made completely obvious to you you sort of sit and you work through oh could that be that could that be that is that sort of cliche of film in the back of my head is that what's gonna happen here Mm. and none of it happened and i didn't work anything out and i loved it for it and i felt deeply emotional leaving the cinema and it stayed with me ever since and it's been sort of three days now I can still hear the music in my head. I'm still thinking about certain scenes. I've come away really feeling that those people are real and they're not characters in a film. You know, even, you know, we, I know we've talked a lot about um, Paul Mescal and, and Andrew Scott, but you're absolutely right to bring up Claire Foy and Jamie Bell. Now, I know Jamie Bell because he grew up around here and like. He was a dancer. He was, and, uh... <laughs> he's Billy Elliot. Um, like Claire Foy, yeah, rule the country. <laughs> rule the country is Queen Elizabeth. Um, like I know when I, I can hear in his accent, as I can hear bits of his accent coming through in this film as well. So like I know that's Jamie Bell, but now in my in my head he is that person that he is that character in in the film. Yes, and I see him now as that that person. Mm. Um, I'm being very careful because obviously I'm not trying to give anything away. I'm not being con- mm-hmm. um, deliberately generic. I'm just trying not to to say anything. I j- it's just phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, like I said. Well, it's I mean, so difficult to clearly. say other than give it all the awards, give it a billion stars. Yeah, please, please watch this film. Like, if you if you want, 
<laughs> if you want a great film mm. that will really like i cried i laughed yeah i yep, absolutely sat there with a warm happy feeling totally. and then i thought oh fuck what's just happened yeah um so literally a roller coaster of emotions um yeah like watch this film like you and will not regret it you're absolutely right to pick up on the laughter and the, the it's, this is not it's it's, it's not, not dry it's not dry and it's not like miserable yes it takes you through all of these different emotions but you're absolutely right there were there were things that particularly claire foy's character is saying that i i was laughing and i was sniggering at and i was sort of going oh god you absolutely would say that if you were that person it's so rang true but in a way that you sort of you're laughing because you recognize those people and you recognize those conversations and there's some really really funny and there's some beautiful i'm gonna go back to the romance i think there's just some gorgeous romance in in this film that i i really believed in and wanted to see on you know the Mm. big screen i think we need to just dive a little bit further into this film but i think we need to say goodbye to people who haven't seen it if there is ever a film that i think it benefits from learning as little as possible if you were ever going to see this Please don't listen to the end of this podcast now, Leave I'd say. Now. Yeah. Um, if you are leaving us here, thank you so much. We are on Instagram and Twitter, now known as X, at The Honeymoon Pod. You want to see my face at this? <laughs> there was a grimace. And if you would like to leave us a review, that would mean the world to us. Um, but yeah, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Do you want to play some music just to <laughs> separate it? Right spoilers so let's start with the things that are revealed in the trailer Mm. um what a beautiful beautiful concept of meeting your parents who are younger than you are now uh such a simple concept and the source novel of this must be like i'm tempted to read it to be perfectly honest i I understand it sounds very different from the novel is very different and has more Mm. sort of horror elements into it as well but yeah the, the the primary thing is you'll you could you're not going back in time you're just meeting them you're just going back to the house that yeah. you used to live in and there they are no explanation you are just there and and they are just there and i really like the thing i admired most of it for 90 percent of this runtime is me saying that i love what this is they don't make it clear you can read this as they are ghosts yes. but you can also read this as you are just revisiting it in your mind yes because he's a writer yeah that's, i love the conceit of the writer so he's it? created these characters and he's having these discussions yeah. with them and then he's going home and he's probably writing yes. about it and yeah or, or he's sat at his typewriter writing mm. away and they're constructs in his brain and then the ending <laughs> and then the ending yeah 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 so if you're still sinking around, really, really shut off the <laughs> shut off the fucking podcast now. Like, this is the last. This is your last warning. Did you see where it was going? Did you have an inkling? I noticed we'd not been to Harry's flat. Yes, I had as well. And that's, and that we didn't know very much about him. That's why I very... feel this danger. Right. Like, okay. I knew there was something hanging around around Harry that. Mm-hmm. Would not necessarily that was going to present itself in the final act. Okay. That, I didn't quite know what, and I didn't mm. pick what. But the slow reveal of him going into the apartment and the little mm. sniff. Yes. And then you're like, oh, uh, shit. Yeah, straight away. I knew straight yeah. away. Yeah. Um, my instinct to begin with was that Harry had a drink problem. Because yes. obviously he turns up at the door and he's got his, was it whiskey or something whiskey, like yeah. that? Japanese um, whiskey. So he's clearly lonely, drinking a lot and knocking on, you know, Adam's door. 
but then the next time he goes out he says oh he said it's really really subtle but he says something along the times of i'm off the i'm off yeah the, and i something rang in my head of ooh, and i think there's like one percent of my brain went oh he's off the drink because something bad's happened what what bad thing could mm. have happened and i think in the back 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 of my mind i went hmm so, something major's happened here it's an obvious pl- yeah it's i mean i as we've discussed before i don't look into these as closely as you do yeah. when we're watching things i don't i'm happy to go along with the ride whereas mm. i think you try and sort of work out like things like that but yeah it was an obvious point that he had booze at this point and then the next time we see him it he was like, mm, essentially, he'd gone... A good writer detail, will yeah. not put that in for no reason. Yeah. That, and then yeah. when they went out as well, Adam's like saying, oh, do you want drinks? And you can, there's a hesitation. In, yeah. And this Paul Muskell's acting is amazing. Yeah. I could sense the hesitation and then it was like, pints, pints. Yeah. You know? But almost, oh, I don't really want to. And that makes total sense when you see what's what's happened. Yes. He's clearly had um, addiction issues. Um, when you see the flat and there's the drugs and the, the mm. alcohol and obviously um, what's happened to him. But yeah, I, at the beginning I thought, oh, Paul Meskel's getting a really rough ride here because we're not getting to really know much about him. It's all about Adam. It's kind of like the Adam show. But then I thought, well, if this is going to be about he's come to terms with the fact that his parents have died and now he's going to, you know, when they're saying to him, do you want to be in love with this, this man? He's like, oh, I think I would like to be. And then you think, oh, well, this is how he's going to learn about love and he's going to open himself up to a relationship. What did you make of the very ending? So you've got Harry curled up on Adam's bed in exactly the same way as he is on his own bed downstairs. I thought that was very, like, with the hand Mm. and everything. He's clearly... So it's almost as if Adam's cradling his body that has died. Um... Mm. But then you've got this sort of like they go in almost like go off into stars, you know. I I couldn't quite I, work out what was going on there. So I mean, I took that obviously he was taking the ghost yes. of Harry in his life. Whether and again, I think there is things to be read about whether this is Adam's loneliness inventing this character yes. that once yeah. popped up at his door, yes. or if he is actually hanging around hanging with girls in this yeah. empty... Um, because it, it makes sense, doesn't it, that but, he's yeah. seen his ghost parents and now he's seen his yes. ghost boyfriend, that he can see dead people. And and what has happened is... Yeah, like... yeah, like Walking around yeah. like... Yeah. I, I look forward to the American remake with Bruce Willis exactly. uh, in the title role. <laughs> I just took the transition to stars as a transition to the credits. I didn't, okay, you didn't quite see it as anything... Because some mean, people have taken it as Adam being dead and Adam being dead the whole way along and that the fire alarm at the beginning of the film actually was a real fire that um, where he died that night and this is all part of his almost like purgatory and that the building isn't really empty and there's actually there would be lots of other people around um that yeah think, and the yeah. briefcase is marcellus wallace yeah, exactly. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And although andrew haig has said because obviously i've listened to a few things he has said we don't know if this building is empty it's it was designed as a manifestation of adam's loneliness yeah so aloneness I, my pet here is people mm. reading into things of the, which there is absolutely zero evidence. Mm. I, this is the reason. But I this is the this is the director and writer saying that. Yeah, and he's saying 
it's he's yes. not saying oh he's a good he's yeah. dead because the fire alarm went off uh, yeah Paul, um, is it Paul Hay? Paul Hay. Who's the director? Sorry, what's the that? No, oh, director. Andrew Hay. Andrew Hay. Yeah. He can Hague. say, Hague. in my mind, yes, he mm. died. There is nothing in the film that suggests that, and okay. therefore I don't know. I have the same issue with um, Blade Runner for the same oh, reason. Right, okay. And yeah. Deckard. Of the yeah, it, is <laughs> he a replicant? Is he a replicant or is he not? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they settled that in the underwhelming sequel but um i don't think they did settle that in the sequel <laughs> at all in fact no they didn't settle that in the sequel <laughs> they still left it quite open anyway yes hmm. so back to this one so but i think what i really love about it is that you can come out of a film like that and you can have multiple interpretations and if you want to believe that um adam and harry go off to heaven together then that's lovely and if that makes you feel happy that's great if you want to believe that um all of the people have been a manifestation of Adam's mind and that, yes, he has found the body of this guy, but the person who then rocks up afterwards and chats to him isn't real. And he's having that conversation with him in his mind. And if that if that's what you want, like, you can, can't you? That's, yeah. I've, I like that about it, that you can have a combination of those things. It doesn't mean that you're right or someone else is wrong. I just have a pet hit for fan theories of which there is absolutely no <laughs> yeah, evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah people yeah. looking for things. I think because because it was left open, so people are going, oh, okay, has the writer yeah. left me any clues? But, I mean, <laughs> the reason that I dislike them is now because they've become clickbaity. And mm, yes, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. any number of websites that me or you could probably name right now will probably be writing... What really happened in All of Us oh, Strangers? They have, they have, and, yes. Yeah, no, and that's probably off. where I've got it from. That's yeah. probably where I've got it from. It was fine when yeah. it was a theory like that you only read you only heard like, oh yeah, yeah, there was a stick the elastoplast on the back of Marcellus Wallace's head and blah blah. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh okay, right, that's it and then mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It just yes. Yeah. Pet hit here. It's, Sorry. I don't like take away how much I, I love really this film. What I really like is that places that like that are talking about it. Because yeah. this is a this is a quiet film. This isn't your big action. Like you say, it's a four-hander. You know, it could have gone under the radar, even with the people who were involved. Well, we touched upon this last time, but this obviously this played in a cine world that we saw in, you know, like a city centre cine world. It wasn't just confined to the art houses, That's which right. is, I think if the writer's strike hadn't been on, would probably be where it ended up. Mm. It's obviously January. There's not, often a lot of stuff i mean our guys they're probably the best first big film out this week mm-hmm. which um sounds appalling but uh, <laughs> from the reviews um but i'll go see it yeah just yeah. it's the first big film out this year absolutely there were more people in my screening than i anticipated okay especially because i went on an afternoon yeah you went on an afternoon didn't I went you on i went on a weekend so and it was pretty sparse but yeah, yeah there were a lot more people there then I then I would have thought would mm. you know would have been for a film like this. Okay. So I was I was pleased, and I think that's you know word of mouth mm. getting around. Um, yeah, deserves everything. I'm really pleased for Andrew Haig because he was behind Forty Five Years. Oh, I love that film. We loved that film, mm. didn't we? And that was really a portrait of a a long term marriage, as the title suggests. And I think he's just so good at relationships, and characterization real people and real dialogue which i just love i think he's a brilliant writer yeah the first film of his that i saw was a film called weekend which mm. is again a similar uh, similar style and really recommend it if it's it's one of them films that will kind of appear on film for once yeah. every once in a while 
probably should have put this in the before the spoiler <laughs> before bit. The spoiler but bit. um how good's the soundtrack? Yes, yeah. Proper eighties. I am willing to say now that mm. Build by the House Martins is the best song that you oh, never ever hear on the radio. I know. I remember when I, you know what, when it came on, I started sing. Like, not obviously, I'm not going to sing along to it because I'm not an idiot in the cinema. But in my brain, I was just like, like, wow. It, I just love hearing this in a lovely dark screen, blasted out, absolutely beautiful, lovely bit of Alison Moye. Obviously, a lot of. Uh, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yeah, just and but what I loved about it wasn't like oh here's a song from the eighties. There you go. It was totally weaved in. There were lines from you know the Frankie goes to Hollywood songs yeah. that characters say to each other, but not in a stupidly contrived way. Um, it just and and it all fit in to Adam writing about his childhood in the eighties and. He had now that's what I call music ten. He did, which has built by the House Martins on it because yeah. I had it as a kid. I th- well, I, I think again, this just points to the writer director's yeah personal touch on this because I bet you he had it, and this has come absolutely from his personal collection. I'm going to write a film that's based around that's what I call music thirteen, which had a big <laughs> spaceship on the front of it. Oh, did it? Yeah, it was on that. Uh, so the first track was The Only Way Is Up by mm, Yaz, Yaz and the Plastic Population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, let's think what else was on there. Um, I think we've got um, The Twist Your Twist by mm-hmm. the Fat Boys. Yeah. Um, Chubby Checker. Yeah, yeah. Chubby Checker and the Fat Boys. Mm-hmm. You thought that Chubby Checker was a member of the Fat Boys. I yeah. well, it was Did, Chubby this... Checker and the Fat <laughs> Did it have um, any mega mixes on? Because mega mixes. No. Happened in the 80s and don't happen so much now, which is really sad. But it did have... Sir? Jive Bunny. <laughs> this is this is a really weird thing to be talking about. Mm-hmm. But it must have been that the Now That's Welcome Music albums were um, like assembled and like put together before some of the songs were out. I remember there was a song called Ordinary Angel by Hugh and Cry. Uh-huh. And you, you had some now... Oh yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. So when, remember when, like, I don't know if you had them on vinyl or tape or no. I just I, I started on tape and then right. went to CD. So if you opened them up, there was a little blurb, like a picture, and then yeah. a little blurb underneath, and it was like, oh yeah, follow up to their song "Labor of Love," blah 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 blah. And then it was released and didn't become a hit at all. What didn't hit the top forty? It's a really good song. I really like it. I put it on the other day actually. <laughs> and then, um, and then a couple of like are now. 15 probably looking for linda by you and cry yeah, on brilliant. and the blurb at the bottom of that was after the surprising uh, fi- um lack of success for Ooh. ordinary angel Hugh and cry got released this yeah so that's my thing yeah anyway um now that's what music 13 is a is a brilliant uh album and okay, probably good. the highlight of the i mean if you could write a award-winning film around that that would be really helpful for us going forwards i'm gonna do it do i'm gonna it. do it Right, if I'm you are <laughs> leaving us here, um, thanks very much for listening and hope you enjoyed all of us strangers as much as we did. We'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>